Gave me no choice. I must explain. Please. Please. Listen to me for a moment. I tried to explain before to that policeman or soldier or whoever it was. I tried to tell him that I came in peace. He wanted to kill me. We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And I hope you guys enjoyed our, our first look at the 2019, uh, the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone with the comedian. We had a lot of a lot of fun talking about that episode, and we're really excited for what comes next. Yeah, very excited. Um, unfortunately, the way those episodes are kind of lining up with our recording schedule, uh, we're going to be kind of a week behind on the new episodes. Yeah. So since... The third one is coming out tonight. We're not going to be able to review it until next week. So got got a little change of pace this week. No Patreon episode, but episode two is up there. Um, so if you still haven't watched that one, you can go sign up and listen to that. Yeah, listen to our talk about Nightmare at 30,000 feet. Uh, I would argue that um, we're also 50 plus years late in reviewing this episode that we're about to do. So one week's yeah, not true. that bad. Um, <laughs> so I, I here, here's a bit of a spoiler. Not, not I'm not going to ruin the episode. I did watch the third episode of the new season it's called replay. Uh, and it is really, really, it's really interesting. Uh, I know that's what I used to describe everything about the twilight zone. It's going to be a healthy discussion with Kevin and I, and I cannot wait to get to it, which you guys have to wait a week. But if you were interested in our thoughts about that, certainly please sign up for the Patreon. Uh, not, not that we're trying to like buy a house with the money or whatever, but I, it's more of the thing of like, I want more people to hear everything because this is going to be a really great conversation about an interesting new show, like the, the new twilight zone. So please sign up and then wait a week. We'll talk about that one, but you can listen to the, the other episode in the meantime and find out about how Adam Scott may or may not have survived a plane ride. Yeah. Um, and also I, I hope people watch the new series cause we were kind of talking before we started recording tonight that there's a lot of buzz leading up to it. And it's it's kind of radio silence out there as far as people actually watching the episode. So I'm I'm hoping people are signing up for the CBS app and watching the series because it's for better or worse it's it's going to be a fun ride and uh, much like the original I'm sure it's going to be all over the place. So if you don't like one, just wait till the next week. It's probably going to be completely different. Yeah, and and also I mean at least. Um, the CBS all access app has, there's other things on there that isn't like, it might be worth your time. Like they have some other original programming on there and I'm not getting paid by CBS all access, but there's the, uh, Oh, what is it? Under surveillance. That's the Tim Meadows, like a comedy that looks I was like say, be, the exact opposite. We're actually paying CBS yeah, to talk yeah. about. <laughs> um, that looks like it's fun. I just checked out the trailer for that. I might, I might binge it. They're like eight episodes a season. Uh, the new star Trek's on there. Like there's, there's other things worth your time. And also, there's like a seven day trial period. So, you know, get in there and watch a couple episodes and maybe if you don't like the app, then there's no commitment, you know? So, but you might also be like, there's other people out there that wait till something's over and then sub in and watch all of it, which is, you know, do what you want. I don't know if CBS will really be paying attention to that tale of numbers. I don't know how all this works. I don't understand 2019 technology, but the streaming numbers are important when stuff comes out. And if people, if people want more twilight zone, like we do, then, you know, as much as it's another streaming service, uh, much in the way that Ash versus Evil Dead didn't stick around because people were waiting for it to show up on other services, I don't want the same fate to happen. Yeah, so 
definitely check it out. And our Patreon again is patreon.com slash strange highways. If you want to check out our discussions on those. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we will mention it later at the end of the episode. And just in case you didn't hear this first part and tuned in late, which I don't know how you do that with the podcast, but whatever. (laughs) Like, Oh, I I do that quite a bit. I just uh, jump a half hour in. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to skip all the bullshit conversation and the trailers and get into the meat of the conversation. So (laughs) yeah. Um, uh, so silence your cell phones uh, other than listening to the podcast. We're getting into the gift here. It's season three, episode 32, uh, air date, uh, April 27th, 1962. Number one song. Good luck charm by Elvis Presley. Uh, number one film. Uh, it's a favorite of ours. The man who shot Liberty Valance. Very nice. That's, that's a great little film. Uh, so I couldn't find anything for the air date of the 27th, but I found something. Oh, actually it's not true. I did find something for the 27th. It's, it's, it's a sadder thing, but I'll talk about the first thing on the 26th. Uh, this is a sports related thing. You'll appreciate it when I, when I explain what happened, uh, Cleveland Indians catcher, Harry Cheedy was traded to the New York Mets for a player to be named later on June 15th. The Mets would name Cheedy as the player to be sent to the Indians farm system, making him the first major league baseball player to be traded for himself. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's like, Hey, we're going to trade you to the Mets for a player to be named later. And it gets to the Mets. He's like, you know what? I kind of like it here. They're like, yeah, I think we're going to trade you to the Indians farm system f- 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 for yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't understand how or why that could happen. Well, cause he got traded to the farm system. So it could be like a roster thing of like, cause there's only so many you're allowed to have up, you know, oh, on the, so they the, just got rid of him until they had the space or something, something like know. that. I don't know. Cause you know, like in September, what happens is that the, the major league, uh, uh, rosters expand for one month and they can add more players. So that's when you get a lot of the September call-ups from AAA yeah. to see what they can do. This is the 60s. I don't know the progress of the, or the system they had, but this poor guy got... So that's not the worst trade to happen. I have heard stories, we, and we talked about Cleveland hockey a couple episodes ago, and I'm sure people were fascinated by that. <laughs> there was a time with the Cleveland Lumberjacks, the IHL team, which we had mentioned, and Kevin really wants one of their jerseys. There was a time where a player was traded for hockey sticks and hotel rooms. And I know this is fact. So the player got traded for basically like for a team that's playing a road game. They like, we could really use a hotel and some equipment. So they traded a player for that. That's got to feel good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, (laughs) and then to find out that the rooms and the sticks actually probably performed better than the player did. Yeah. Like, I don't know. um, But yeah, that actually happened. It's probably not the weirdest thing to be traded for. Um, But yeah. Anyway, so that's weird Cleveland sports information. So the 27th, when this episode actually aired, and this is unfortunately somewhat pertinent to the episode we're about to talk about. Uh, in Los Angeles, a confrontation outside a mosque between two LAPD officers and two members of the Nation of Islam led to a shootout that killed one of the, the, the men. When a group of black Muslims came out of the building, the situation escalated involving 75 police. When the confrontation was over, uh, the mosque secretary, Ronald Stokes, was dead. Six other Muslims and seven policemen were injured. Uh, the two policemen claimed self-defense in the attack. While the Muslims said that their secretary, Ronald Stokes, had been beaten and shot at close range, after which the officers fired into an unarmed crowd. The incident, which heightened racial tensions in L.A., no kidding, first brought Malcolm X to national attention. So, again, we're going to get to this episode that has, it's a very strong message episode, and it seems somewhat appropriate, unfortunately, to what we're about to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the first time in a while we've actually had a news story that fit right into the episode unfortunately yeah, unfortunately yeah there, i don't have anything about animals being launched in the space you know a much lighter a much lighter story <laughs> uh but yeah we had a, a person traded for himself and then some horrible things happened in la that you know led to further racial tensions because people just can't seem to trust each other hmm wonderful talk about that later yeah all right so we'll jump into casting crew here we have uh the gift directed by alan h minor who was a combat photographer in world war ii Eventually made the transition to mostly TV work, but this was his only Twilight Zone, um, I believe. And then he previously had directed three episodes of the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse. So I assume he was just kind of in that uh, that circle of people that was working on these productions. Yeah, that's what I had. And we know that the, the Desilu Playhouse is where Time Element first premiered, which was yes, the, the, yeah. the pilot for basically the pilot for the Twilight Zone. Yeah. Um, so the episode was written by Rod Serling. Um, initially it was conceived as a pilot for the twilight zone, much like the, uh, the time element and eventually ended up getting reworked into this episode. So this, this was kind of one of those ideas that Serling had floating around 
kept getting it, it never quite got it off the ground got recycled a few times because even after this he eventually tried to turn it into a full-length screenplay for a twilight zone movie yeah so do you know what the original uh, title for this this unsold pilot at the time was um yes because it's a legendary conversation between <laughs> us uh, i shot an arrow into the air yeah so he, he liked that title so much which i i'm on the same page i love that title i uh, hated the episode but he took that and used it for that episode and then retitled this one to the gift or whatever but the initial storyline of this actually suited the name i shot an arrow into the air much better I don't. I don't know if you read what the initial. Uh, I did. I was. actually had. I had there, one of the books I had had it all like this big long thing about it, um, which I it suppose, felt very Spielbergian. You did. Like, it, I, like I, I could. I could almost imagine it's like a Spielberg uh, feature length, and uh, just just kind of like him setting up what the twist would have been makes perfect sense for that title. I love it. It does. Uh, I, but I wasn't that compelled to actually remember which book it was or to bring it out because by the time I got to this episode, I'm just like, <sighs> so, um, not to tip my hand too much, but yeah, there was a much bigger, uh, write up about this, which you've talked about. So I'm sure we'll revisit that again towards the end here. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just one of those situations with him trying to come up with so many ideas so quick for the well, show. And he, it, it um, wasn't, it wasn't, you. I'm sorry. It wasn't unique for him to take things and be like, okay, well, I can't do this now, but I can certainly attach this to something later. And we've seen this multiple times where it's always something cooking where he can attach characters, concepts, like titles, dialogue from everything else he's been thinking about. Because again, he was under contract to deliver so many scripts per, you know, per season. So of course you're going to keep a lot of the stuff in the back of your head and, and try to be like, well, this will work now if we do it this way. So I don't, I, I respect his, his workman, you know, ethic to get this done. And, you know, we'll talk about the episode improper, but I could see how, you know, since he already wrote this, what, three or four years previous, uh, how it would be easier for him to rework it for a 24 minute teleplay versus a, like, it was originally supposed to be like a 50 minute long story. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then he tried to rework it into an hour and a half story. too. So <laughs> He was very passionate about the story. Uh, I, I would assume he wasn't too happy with the outcome of this one, but. But knowing him, he probably blames himself because that would always be the thing he'd be like, yeah, you know, he's like, you tried, you know, it wasn't my best effort and I don't blame those involved. It was probably what he would have said. I don't have any actual reference for that, but that's how I kind of feel. And again, don't mean to tip my hand, but you know, this is, yeah, let's just talk about cast and crew, like the actual crew yep. cast. Yeah. The, words. I, I want to mention the music as well. Um, it's, a uh, Lorindo Almeida and, uh, his music work was used in a ton of uh, movies, a lot of his guitar work. Um, I wrote down just a few that I had seen. Wait Until Dark with Audrey Hepburn, Stagecoach, uh, Comancheros, The Alamo, Rio Bravo. So the guy had his, uh, his, his guitar playing all over the place within like, especially Westerns. When I, and I wrote that he and uh, Bud Shank created uh, Bossa Nova, which I would think that you would know a lot about like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a, a kind of Brazilian type of uh, jazz. If, if you heard it, you would, you would immediately recognize it as Bossa Nova. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think there's the uh, film composer that was really famous for that as well. Um, I'm drawing a blank right now. So but that's fine. The guitar in this episode was quite nice and it actually underscored the episode very well. And I, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man, it's driving me crazy trying to think of that composer now, but that's fine. Um, was, so it we'll jump was, into, was it Danny Elfman? It wasn't Danny Elfman. <laughs> yes, it was Danny Elfman. <laughs> <laughs> was it Was it John Williams that was known for the Bossa Nova guitar? No, no it was not John Williams. Um, <laughs> I just I want to keep saying his name until I'm right about what he did. Like so. <laughs> well, I, I keep getting on the tip of my tongue, and you're like Danny Elfman. Oh, I'm like, sorry. no, man, I, now I, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's Bossa Nova. Look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have the cast here. We have Jeffrey Horn, who plays Williams. Um, I won't spoil uh, who Williams is. This was his only Twilight Zone appearance. His last credit, um, unfortunately, was Big Daddy with Adam Sandler. That, that That's not a bad movie, but, you know, it's yeah. just, I, I like Big Daddy. It's okay. It's, it's, not, it's not my favorite Sandler film, and it was him trying to actually 
like grow his ability to like have a little bit of dr- like dramatic acting in it a little bit. And then, and then he decides to be a man child for a lot of the rest of his career. Yeah. The Mr. Deeds, right? Was that the next one? I don't know. That? I've not seen that. I've not, everyone like once everyone's like little, little Nikki's great. I'm like, that didn't look good to begin with. I don't want to go back nah. to it now. Nah, I, I, I don't enjoy little Nikki. Um, he had a smaller role on bridge on the, on the river Kwai. Um, and two episodes of Green Hornet. Hmm. I thought you were going to say yeah. that Adam Sandler had a small role on the Bridge of River Kwai. <laughs> no, no, no. I was off Adam Sandler. I was oh, okay. trying to get Sorry. out of that yeah. as fast as possible. Um, you got anything else for him? I mean, I could talk more Adam Sandler, but I don't have anything else for Jeffrey Horn, no. Okay. All right. So next up, we have Nico Minardos, who plays the Doctor. Uh, this was also his only Twilight Zone appearance, though he was in one episode of Hawaiian Eye. Yeah, I made a note of that. And he's actually like Greek heritage. Not that that's like necessarily important, but it we've going back to like the episode The Mirror, where you had a bunch of different people playing like South American, uh, you know, generals and things. And you have this one where, you know, the people could wear different hats in casting. And he did quite well. I think he, you know, he carried himself well, but he's actually Greek and not Hispanic. Um, so I also found out with him, he had like a passion project called assault on Agathon from 77. There was like this true story of like this Greek, um, like uh, army or rebellion or something. I, I didn't get into the actual movie, but he was, he willed this thing into existence and it was a box office failure, but this was like the thing he felt like he was born to make. And this, the name itself sounds awesome. And it sounds like this mid seventies, like um, man on a mission film. So it might actually not be bad, but it didn't do well at the box office. Yeah. I, I saw that as well. It, it looked kind of up my alley. <laughs> so I, I took no added to my watch list on the IMDb, but yeah, the, the, just the write up on that says CIA team in Greece tries to capture a major drug dealer. That's it. <laughs> so sold. <laughs> yeah. It's an hour and a half. I've, I've probably watched worse. So I might, I might get to that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was going to mention, uh, Jeffrey Horn was actually Argentinian as well. So we got a bunch of actors from all over the place who aren't Mexican. So (laughs) I couldn't tell Uh, that Jeffrey Horn wasn't from around there. I just, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Sorry. Anyway, please. We have Cliff Osmond who plays Manolo. Um, only Twilight Zone appearance. The only other thing that I really noticed kind of out of the ordinary on his filmography was he was in Invasion of the <laughs> B-Girls. That's what I wrote down to. <laughs> yeah, pretty famous uh, cult film. So I definitely want to mention that. Um, we have Edmund Vargas, who plays Pedro, the little orphan boy in this episode. Uh, not to make credits to his name. Never really made it past uh, child acting. Only Twilight Zone appearance, and he was also in one episode of the Westinghouse Desilu Playhouse. Mm-hmm. I figured since we mentioned it for Alan H. Minor, we should probably mention it for him. Um, next up, we have Vladimir Sokolov, who plays the guitarist in this episode. Uh, we previously talked about him back in the episode Dust, and more recently The Mirror, which you just brought up. Uh, Russian actor who uh, gets cast as. A ton of different nationalities that aren't Russian. (laughs) Yeah. And did you find out the trivia about the episode regarding him? And no, I did not. All right. I'll just say this right now. Uh, So he's in this episode. Uh, He suffered a stroke the day after film was completed and died. Oh, man. (laughs) I did not uh, not read that. Yeah. So this was his last on-screen role that we are aware of. And yeah, RIP uh, Mr. Sokolov, the Russian that was very much Russian, but played all sorts of other things. Yeah, he actually might be my favorite performance in this episode, though. So yeah, no, I liked him. He was he was he was um, not weird, but it 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 was great in his brief moment, and that's that. But unfortunately, we were like, it's always weird because there was the the what the mighty Casey where the one, the, the main lead was recast because he was like visibly sweating and we didn't know that he was in the process of like dying in front of the camera. So they re- recast him, but there's like that one shot at the end where it's him in the distance. So you're just like, Oh, well that guy didn't make it much further after that. So watching the second time, I just, it felt, I felt bad and it's like, I can't go back and change things, but you're seeing, you know, someone's last moments that they're not aware of and not to get dark, but you know, it kind of, kind of messes with you a little bit. Yeah. Well, it was like the, uh, um, 
Oh, was it the trade-ins? The last episode we did? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, um, not well. That was yeah, was that wasn't yeah. It was the last actual episode of the the the, the original series that we did. You're right. Where yeah, uh, with yeah, uh, Joseph Shieldcroft. Yeah, and his uh, wife passing away during production. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, the same thing. Just kind of colors your perception of it. Yeah, I I didn't uh, I didn't realize they passed away right after that. Um, so this will sad. be his last appearance on the Twilight Zone. So I just want to yeah. spoiler, um, but yeah. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have Paul Mazurki, who plays the officer. And uh, I think we talked about him back in the Purple Testament. Um, But he will be in one future episode of The Twilight Zone as well. But if we didn't, he was in one episode of Johnny Midnight Mm -hmm. and a short film called Jesus Sex Scandal. (laughs) So I don't know if we really (laughs) talked about him at the time because I was looking up some information about him. Uh, he received five Academy Award nominations, uh, four for screenplay writing on Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, Harry and Tonto, An Unmarried Woman, and Enemies, A Love Story, uh, and was once uh, uh, nominated for producer on An Unmarried Woman for Best Picture. So he was also twice nominated for Golden Globe, twice for the Palme d'Or, like a lot of stuff, right? So um, yeah, I, I didn't realize like this guy, he has such a bit part here and he did some other acting, but like, you know, to be nominated for all these awards and then not quite make them still shows that you had an impact on the industry. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't sure if we talked about him in purple Testament. So I just kind of, I just kind of scanned over it. Saw Johnny midnight. Didn't want to lose that one. No, I agree. I just, I don't remember because there was, there was a, there was a number of people in the purple Testament and whatever that, that was season, season one episode. Don't remember. Go back and listen to maybe we talked about this already. (laughs) All right, so next up we have Harry Corden, who plays Sanchez. Um, Probably, weirdly enough, the biggest name attached to this episode outside of Rod Serling. Um, He was the second voice of Fred Flintstone after Alan Reed had passed away. Yeah, so um, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, because I looked up his work and he actually uh, did some he was part of the last work that Mel Blank did as Barney Rubble. Um, and it's for a, a fruity pebbles commercial in which there is rap involved. And if you say to me, Hey Paul, do you have that right now to play? I say, yes, I do. <laughs> hey, watch me get Fred's fruity pebbles. Who are you? I'm the master rapper and I'm here to say, I love fruity pebbles in a major way. He loves fruity pebbles in a major way. The bedrock yellow, orange, purple, lime, and red. But to get the fruity taste, I got a trick, Fred. Fruity, fruity. To get the fruity taste, he's got a trick, Fred. Barney. Yes, that's a red. Most fruity pebble cereal. Part of this nutritious breakfast. Yeah, but never delicious. <laughs> yep, there's uh, there's Henry Corden for you. <laughs> Was he was he nominated for anything for that uh, performance? I think they was nominated for uh, best a uh, Grammy for best uh, uh, serial related rap that of that year. Um, <laughs> but supposedly that's supposed to be like some of Mel Blanc's last work is Barney, and it's him rapping with. Oh, uh, that's, <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> the, uh, but the moment I looked that up, I'm like, I have to find this, and I have to not tell Kevin I'm going to play it on the show. So <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, he did. He did a lot of work for Hanna Barbera. He mm-hmm. kind of hopped around from Jetsons to Johnny Quest uh, to some of the lesser known ones. Um, it, but yeah, I, I went back after because I was like, I wonder if I can hear Fred Flintstone in his performance. <laughs> so <laughs> when I went back and uh, watched it the second time, I, I could not hear Fred Flintstone in his voice. He did a great job with his Mexican ass- accent in this. Well, and then maybe maybe those uh, fake crows that were perched up on top of the buildings, maybe that's something to do with the Flintstones. Like they were going to use them later because there was like one real bird and the rest of them were all fake. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's just like, it's a living. It's a living. <laughs> <laughs> like Manolo's like, if I could just trade this boy for a small dinosaur that could just vacuum, that'd be pretty great. Uh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I wasn't too much familiar with anything outside of his work for Hanna-Barbera and his cartoon uh, voiceovers, but he was also in one episode of Westinghouse Desi Loop Playhouse. Yeah. Well, if you want that um, commercial to put in your workout playlist, I can send it to you because I know it's... A, I, it's I would definitely. I'll throw it. I'll throw it right after the ice cube. Like, <laughs> I got a trick Fred, you know, anyway. So... <laughs> 
We have. Uh, I have uh, one more person written. I don't know if you have one other. Um, yeah, I have uh, Vito Scott, uh, Vito Scotti, who plays uh, Rudolfo, and he was a peddler back in the Mr. Beavis episode. So now we got an "I shot an arrow into the air" reference and a Mr. Beavis reference. Yeah, so this, the this two bodes, terrible omens for this, this one. This bodes well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's that's your cast and crew. Let's uh, let's just certainly take it away. The place is Mexico, just across the Texas border, a mountain village held back in time by its remoteness, and suddenly intruded upon by the 20th century. And this is Pedro, nine years old, a lonely, rootless little boy who will soon make the acquaintance of a traveler from a distant place. We are at present 40 miles from the Rio Grande. But any place and all places can be the Twilight Zone. And Barney has to trick Fred. Not. Yeah, I, I just can't believe we just listened to a Flintstones rap on the show. <laughs> I always I always aim high. I just try to just, you know, bring class and sophistication to what we do here. Um, yeah. yeah, so uh, it was it was nice to see, even though they weren't the, the biggest sets, it was still nice to see like actual like exterior, supposedly of like the, the scrub of the desert and the bird, the fake birds in the trees. Yeah. The, and, this was the high point for this episode for me. was the intro. Uh, Cause you open on this like amazing studio exterior set of like the desert. And like you said, the vultures up there and you have this, the guitar work in the soundtrack is real. Uh, it's real dark, mostly minor key, some dissonant chords and everything. And it's really set in this atmosphere as you see him, bringing in this dead body over the back of the donkey into the town. Um, It's, it's eye catching and uh, it's mysterious and dark. And it got me really excited for what was going to come in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. So we, we find out that this is like the, the local law, the llama, he comes into town and you know, his partner is dead on the back of this donkey. And he is like, I need to find the telegram operator. So I like, I like that the telegram operator is like, you know what? I'm, I'm done for the day at four o'clock. It's 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 like the middle of the night. He's been like just drinking in this bar since four man after my own heart. And the, 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 you know, the, the local law is like, I need to send a telegram. And he's like, right now. And he's like, he's like, yo, this guy's dead. He's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. And uh, there's this whole bit of, uh, it's exposition and it makes sense because he's telling the telegram operator, but it's almost like he's just telling the audience, like, here's what happened. Yeah. And then the telegram guys are trying to He's write. looking off into the distance, <laughs> but the distance is the camera. Yeah. So he's literally just speaking to you. Yeah. So, I mean, it works. Uh, he said like an unidentified uh, cr- aircraft or something is what he said. Circular in shape, it crash landed and they, uh, they went out and found broken brush and footprints and they, they followed it. And, uh, there was a, some type of confrontation. Um, his partner pulled a gun, fired a couple shots, but his his partner's now dead, and this creature or whatever, this monstrosity, has wandered into the night. Yes, this monstrosity. <laughs> um, so that's when you get the whip pan. It cuts to uh, a surling coming through the curtains in the doorway, uh, which is great. I just I I miss when he's actually on set. Yeah. Like how great would it have been with him just like a sombrero sitting at the bar on the other <laughs> side? Like just trying to fit in. <laughs> like he's reading a newspaper and it just tips down with like it's just like the sombrero was covering everything to begin with and he starts talking. Yeah. Or it's yeah, him playing just the guitar. In the corner with like the cowboy hat over his face yeah. or something. I did like that they were talking about this unknown monster and the very next thing you see is Sterling walking into the bar. I'm like, you guys don't even know the the fresh hell he has unleashed upon many people. <laughs> I know, like he looks out of place. He looks more of a monster than the monster in this episode, but that's yeah, that's fine. So yeah, he comes in, gives the opening narration, and he introduces us to Pedro, who is uh, apparently going to have quite the adventure during this episode. <laughs> yeah, he goes outside. He's in the bar. Yeah. He goes he gets to a, yelled at. He goes to uh, a bedroom. He talks to a stranger. Yeah, you know, like just living living his best life. Um, but yeah, he sets this expectation of like, oh, something amazing is going to happen with this child today. So, it, and like I mentioned with the original teleplay for this, the original uh, one that he wrote as like the hour long version of this, it sounds like a Spielberg movie. And in theory, like this could have went in so many great ways, but uh, it, it doesn't. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's more Mac and me. Especially not for Pedro. It's more Mac and me instead of E.T. That's what it is. I wish it was Mac and me. So, yeah, um, with the the sheriff, I keep wanting to say sheriff, but that's not right. The guy who's the the local lawman, um, you know, gets the message out and he tells town folk, he's like, you know, it's curfew, everybody go home. And uh, and then there's a doctor that comes and verifies that the body's dead. And he's trying to verify with, you know, the, um, you know, like saying to the guys, like, are you sure that that that's what you saw? And he's like, I'm absolutely sure that's what I saw. He's like, well, it could be fear. And he's like, he's like, he points at the dead body. He's like, is this fear? Like, I like the whole thing of like, there's a dead guy here. Listen to what I'm saying. Something's out there. But I appreciate that they have the doctor come in and kind of be the voice of reason of like, maybe your nerves are what's causing more of this fear than what really happened. Yeah, and he's like, be careful because you're going to set the townspeople off and you're going to create panic. So he's he's kind of telling them, like, maybe take it down a notch. <laughs> yeah. So then um, we get Manolo closing up shop, and the way he closes up his bar is taking a, a bucket of water and splashing it on some tables. They're clean. It's good. Yeah, it's clean water, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so the, he, he's given the doctor uh, a beverage, uh, you know, a festive beverage. And they're talking, and that's when uh, you learn that uh, Pedro is is like working for Manolo, um, and Manolo is like everyone's like you should put him in school. He's like I, he's like I don't, he's not my son, and he goes in this whole thing about like like I I let him work here and I pay him well, but I shouldn't be responsible for him. And it's like the more he keeps talking, I'm like Pedro is is his illegitimate son. He's just not saying it. Yeah, he's definitely responsible for it. <laughs> he's just, uh, but he's mad because he's perceiving the child as being lazy because he is uh, really interested in going outside at night and looking at the stars. Yeah, just and and drinking night milk. No, beat me to it. <laughs> no night milk. <laughs> oh, the race to the bottom. I was going to be. He has a little tiny cup of night milk and he's just looking up at the stars. Um, yeah, he's like, I got this astronomer working for me. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> Um, so, but the kid, you know, he, he says, he describes the, uh, Pedro as like, he's an old man, like, uh, uh, but as a little boy, just the way he kind of carries himself. And yeah, which is also mysterious and kind of creepy. Yeah. Uh, the kid's performance is terrible in this. <laughs> oh, like probably the worst <laughs> child actor we've gotten in the series. Yeah. Um, and like, there was some, the comment in the books I was reading about how like everyone realized that this kid couldn't act, but he looked <laughs> the part. And so they did what they could. And then that's probably also why he, hasn't had much success or didn't do much after this, you know, but he was, but but again, it was a child actor. So even, even if he was terrible, if he could just say lines in order, he probably could work for a while. Yeah. I, I, it seemed like he was struggling with that though. Even (laughs) everything seemed forced and, uh, there was just like this straight cadence to everything. Yeah. It was just, it was bad. I mean, it's fine. He's a child actor. Like I, I don't expect a lot. I'm always just I'm I'm happy when it doesn't bug me. That's as much as I ask for. It's just like just don't be cringeworthy. Well, like the whenever lead... a child actor pops up, especially in like this era. Well, like was it the lead girl in The Fugitive? Like she had like talent and like charm and space. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, that was a, that was a surprising moment. I was expecting nothing, and she ended up being a great little actress. And this one, you're expecting something, and then you got nothing. Like. <laughs> From this poor kid. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, they set him up. Yeah, they do. <laughs> you know, you got Serling talking about how this how this boy is going to meet a stranger or whatever he calls, uh, you know, um, whatever he calls Williams in the intro of this. And then he uh, talks about what he's going to go on this adventure and all this stuff. And you get uh, Manolo talking about how he's an old man in a child's body. And it, they're creating all this mystery and excitement around who this character is that <laughs> he opens his mouth <laughs> and you're like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to go on this adventure. <laughs> no, no. And so, um, the guitarist, I'm, I'm sorry, Edmund, uh, Vargas, he's probably still alive. Yeah. Um, but he's not acting anymore. So like he, he I realized, know, he realized his limitations and moved on. Um, you know, he was given the gift of realization, uh, and <laughs> in perspective. Um, so, um, the guitarist, uh, the, the soon to be late Vladimir Sokolov, that was horrible for me to say, uh, is playing this guitar and he's telling Manolo, like, you know, maybe instead of like, you know, basically saying, instead of being a dick, maybe just reach a hand out and help this kid. Like that's, you know, basically like be a good guy. And this kid, you know, he'll blossom and probably be more like what you need and also be his own person is kind of what he's saying in between the lines. Uh, but yeah. it's, it's an he's important got some moment. Great lines in this though. Like I wasn't joking. 
when I said this like 30 seconds of on-screen time that Vladimir Sokolov has in this is the best because uh, he says something about like the boy never smiles and the first thing's like out of his mouth is why should the boy smile mm-hmm. you know he's like he's he's poverty stricken you're constantly yelling at him he he doesn't know happiness and all this stuff but then as he's leaving the bar he tells Manola keep the boy inside tonight and he's got these like really kind of terrifying lines as he's leaving yeah. and again you're like I'm still on board. Like some of the production and some of the acting is kind of shoddy up until this point, but I'm still like, I'm engaged. I'm I'm ready because it seems like it's gonna it's gonna go somewhere dark. Well, I even like when Pedro asks the guitarist, he's like, "Do you want me to walk you home?" He's like, "No, no, no, no." He's like, "Darkness is my friend." Yeah, because I think he, he's blind. He's right? blind. He's yeah, a, yeah. Uh, just uh, that was a good line, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I'll he's be like okay. the darkness is my friend, but he's no friend to you." And he said, tells the bartender to keep keep the child inside, keep the kid inside tonight. Yeah, it's just like, oh, that's that's kind of foreboding, <laughs> kind so, of terrifying. Yeah, so he leaves, and then uh, so it's still just the the doctor, uh, Pedro, and Manolo in the bar, and then a stranger appears, and this is the other part where I'm like, this is going to get interesting because it's like you see this character show up saying, I'd like to, I'd like a, you know, a drink of wine and it's shot from behind. So you see the reaction of Manolo and he's freaked out like by what he sees. And I'm like, what is he looking at? This has to be something really interesting. And then it's just a white guy. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of like it too. Cause it's got a Western kind of vibe a to little it. Bit. The stranger coming into town and everything. So it, it's, it's kind of playing with tropes we've seen before. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I was, I was expecting something off. Uh, but yeah, it's just, just some dude, just some, just some dude. Yeah. <laughs> some plain looking guy who just shows up in town and everyone's horrified. Yeah. But he's, he's like, he's like a white guy just wearing a sombrero and a, like a serape, like a covering and he's asking for some wine. Uh, he, obviously a tourist, you know? Uh, and so he goes to sit at the table and they go to bring him over the, the bottle and Manolo drops it. And as, um, cause, cause, uh, uh, Williams, that's what we find out his name is supposedly, is it Williams? Yeah, it's Williams. Yeah. Uh, he's like, he's like, I don't feel well. I feel sick. And he sits in the chair and he's like, I just need a drink. I'll be on my way. They hand him the bottle. It falls to the ground. He goes to pick it up. And Manolo's like, that's not wine on the floor. Cause the bottle didn't break. I like the imagery of seeing the blood dripping off of his hand on the floor. As he grabs the bottle, as Williams grabs the bottle. That was cool yeah. looking. Yeah. Um, we'll find out later why the blood is where it is and everything with some of the allegories for this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is again up until this point, pretty mysterious. Kind of excited <laughs> to see where, where this is going. <laughs> um, so then um, they're like talking, and then Manola realizes that this is probably the thing that was like you know causing the problems, or the guy causing the problems. And he gets ready to run out of the bar to go tell like the local authorities. And Williams just stands up. He's like, no, 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 and clocks him in the back of the head with the wine bottle, which would probably kill him. Would probably kill Manolo, but just knocks him out. Like it was very sudden and just like done. And he was like, and he goes on to say, I tried to warn him. I don't want to do this. Same thing as I warned, I warned the other people out there and he pulled his gun and he ended up shooting himself by accident. He's like, this is not what I meant to do. I come in peace. Yeah. Our, our synopsis of this and like going through it sounds more exciting than how it plays out in the episode, though. I, I feel like we're describing, like, proto-Starman, which I would just want to watch Starman again. That's all yeah, I want to do yeah. right now. <laughs> but, I mean, like, even this, like, it, it's really awkward. Yeah. Like, that attack and everything. Like, it's really slow, and I feel like the editing's kind of off, the pacing's off. Like, everything just feels off in this episode in, in, in like, a cheap way. I, I feel like my paraphrasing of William's lines was probably still delivered better than what he said. And, and I, yeah. I, I'm not an actor. You know, by any means. Yeah, that's why I mean. Like the performances were pretty bad in this, and it, there was just something that just felt cheap in this episode, mm-hmm. and not in the same way that some of like the exterior shots with the painted backgrounds and the fake vultures and stuff. <laughs> like that, there's something endearing about that kind of cheap, but there, there's something there's that no, just seems rushed. Yeah, and. I don't know. There's nothing dynamic. Bad. There's nothing dynamic. Yeah, there's in this nothing episode. dynamic. Yeah, which this. I mean, we've seen even even something like um oh I don't know who directed um 
a piano in the house. I know we just, I'm sure it was um, someone we know, uh, but even the sequences in, in that junk shop, the way the camera move around and have some really cool looking like visuals as the story was playing out. Not that like, so the set direction on this could have been something different, but you could have had maybe something more dynamic in the bar. Like, I, but again, I don't know what they're trying to go for, but this, yeah, well, this, we the, can't judge it on what they were going for. We but, can only say, did we, it work for us? We've and seen, I think the answer is no for both of us. I don't, we, we've seen more thought going into the production for even like yeah. smaller stories. That's what I, that's what I'm getting at, I guess, is that... Well, and, and when we yeah. get to the end of this and we kind of reveal everything, uh, the scenery really doesn't affect the no. story at all. You could literally drop this anywhere. Even, so yeah. I, I feel like they literally picked this Mexican backdrop just to differentiate it from some episodes that may have similar themes. Yeah, I mean, not that I want to give credit to Hocus Pocus and Frisbee, but even, even, even in the general store there, there was something moving. You know, like there was something going yeah. on. Yeah. And I mean, there there's some use of like trying to put the shadows and everything, but most of that is stuff outside of the bar. Yeah. And we spend most of this episode inside of the bar. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, not, uh, it's not ideal. So, yeah. um, so we have that where, you know, Williams admits like, you know, that basically you all know that this is the thing that was out there running around that was supposedly this monster. Um, and then I think that's when it cuts to the commercial uh, break, like the act break. And the next thing we see is he's in bed with Pedro, like watching over him. So he's in a bed in the back of the bar. Um, yeah. that is basically Pedro's room, which, you know, for being a street urchin, that's a pretty big room. So credit to him. Yeah. He's, he's living large. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Um, this is one of the other positive things I want to say about the episode. I love, um, the window above the bed that Williams is in just being able to see the, the night sky and the stars through the window shining down mm. on him. Um, that I, I thought that was a really nice touch with what was going on in this. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, but so Williams is admitting to Pedro that of like all the, the people he's encountered so far, that Pedro is the only one that feels no anger or fear. Um, so then <laughs> Pedro has to explain like, you know, this whole thing of like, no, we're the same. We're all of this. And I start like just checking out as the poor kid's talking but he, yeah. but he feels a kinship with, with this person in, in this bed. Well, all this stuff in the bed, um, all the dialogue is so on the nose mm -hmm. and so boring. And like all the mystery and any excitement that I had to see where the story was going, um, it all goes out that beautiful star <laughs> did you like, window. Did, did you like that the actor playing Williams kept putting like the accent on certain words, like yes. to show that like, you know, he, and I can't roll my R's. So like, but he was like, he said, you know, Pedro specifically. And he said, uh, was he said Poncho in a certain way. <laughs> like there was like, it was just him. Like, again, he's a tourist, you know, and it, he literally is, but it's like, I just feel like this was, uh, <laughs> This was him. Like, he's like, no, 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 no. I, I get the language. I'll speak the lingo. Um, yeah. Yeah. So weird. since, since he feels this kinship with Pedro, he decides to give him the gift. And he was like, you know, you have to show it to the people to show that I've come here in peace. Um, you have to be the one to present them since they're all terrified of me. <laughs> um, so the doctor comes in, checks his heartbeat, sees that he's, he's healthy. Um, and he's got to take care of this gunshot wound that he's apparently got on his chest that's leaking down his arms. But um, first though, the doctor was like, Oh, you have this pulse. He's like, I wish I had this pulse. Like the doctor was really thirsty for this guy's pulse. Like he was like <laughs> impressed by it. Yeah. Um, so he goes to give him some anesthetic and, um, ether. <laughs> yeah. Some ether, A big bottle and that says ether. <laughs> well, it's gotta be clearly labeled. You yeah. don't want to mix that up, especially sitting around in the bar. It's true. Yeah. Um, so, Williams tells him, like, I don't want any anesthetic. Just do it. Um, so I, I like there's the scene where he starts to, like, get the bullet out and sew him up and everything. And there's a, a perfectly placed lamp sitting on the table. So you can't see any of the gore. <laughs> well, I also like the doctor tells Pedro, he's like, hey, go out and look up at the stars. Like, that was yeah. a nice, like, moment of, like, and then I thought we were actually going to get, like, a moment of Pedro just staring up the stars and just hearing, like, you know, agony in the background. No, we didn't get that. Now, well, before Pedro leaves, he has to tell the doctor that you have to give him the ether. 
Oh, like, no, 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 like, no, just, no, no. Just leave give, the room, Pedro. Give, give the ether to Please Pedro. Just give, give Pedro the ether. We'll be good for a while. <laughs> Maybe we'll make it through this episode. <laughs> uh, I was I was considering ether at this point myself. Um, <laughs> yeah, so now it's the morning and you get uh, the bartender coming out and um, – uh, the doctor asked the bartender, he's like, hey, you know, while I was doing the surgery in the room, I heard the door open and somebody coming and going. It was, so he, he reveals that he went to the police and basically told them in the military where this guy is and they can come and get him. Um, <laughs> I like the Manolo's up and running around like he did not get clobbered in the back of the head the night before. Like, he's fine. He's ah, <laughs> He was probably so drunk he doesn't even. Yeah. Like, why is my head hurt so bad? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Saturdays, you know. Um, but yeah, he like so he's also counting coins like on his like the bar top. And so the doctor says, you know, basically yeah. when you're baptized, you should have, you know, you weren't given the right name. And he's like, and what was that name? He's like, Judas, as Manolo's counting like the 30 pieces of silver basically on the bar top. And as my eyes roll out of my head. <laughs> I, I wrote, I wrote paging Dr. Burn like, ooh. <laughs> um, so yeah, now then we go back in the room again, you get Pedro and Williams, uh, speaking and they have this terrible conversation <laughs> about why men are the way they are and that they're scared of anything different and that they fear the unknown. Um, and they, they have that conversation about like, what if God were to return and Pedro brings up uh, Jesus and how when he came, they nailed him to the cross and all this stuff. And it's really on the nose. You start getting an idea of where this, what this episode is trying to say. Um, yeah, this this stuff, this dialogue drove me insane. And I admittedly am not religious or spiritual at all. So a lot of times, like, that stuff bugs me, but we've had episodes that have snuck some of that in that I didn't mind. Like the howling man is one of my favorite episodes of the series. Well, I think you can, and it's like, I, I think you can put these things in and kind of hide them, put them in a little bit more subtly, but near the end of the episode, like any sort of <laughs> yeah. a, a, like subtlety is thrown out that, that window with no, the stars you, in it again. You can still have present men of faith or sorry, persons of faith, uh, yeah. regardless of your background and, and appreciate it. And I, I'm going to go to a, a extreme here just because I'd have nothing off the top of my head, but like, uh, um, in the exorcist, the older priest, um, you know, uh, the actor, what's his name? Uh, yeah. it, he, you know, it, it was more of like, he was brought in, uh, because he knew exactly what needed to be done, and and he he was strong in his faith, but it's like this whole film is like filled with like you know all, obviously all this religious stuff, but it's like you get to a certain point where you don't dismiss it because they're very sincere in what they do. Yeah. Uh, and I and again, not the same thing, not this episode. I don't have a problem when like faith or belief is brought into something. It's just no. that whenever it's the whole like we're having this discussion because you know we hope that you understand and that maybe you'll learn something while watching this is when I want to set yeah. the whole thing on fire. <laughs> like, yeah. Cause like, to be honest, like there, there's a scene after this. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't want to have this conversation until we get to the, that, yeah, that's uh, fine. We yeah, we can wait for it, but it's just sometimes like it's where it's this, it's like, you're not telling me a story. You're preaching to me. I have a problem. Yeah. So they're, they're starting to make the allegory of, uh, this alien being like a Jesus figure. Sorry. Max von um, Sydow. That was the actor. I don't know why I blanked yes, on that. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Continue, <laughs> please. It's all good. Um, so, I mean, it, it, now when you go back in the episode, there's the wine reference. There's the blood coming down his wrists. Um, so as the military gets here, they show up. The doctor uh, tells them they can't move him. He's ill. Uh, they go in anyway, of course. Well, I like that they said that their orders was to bring back a killer, not a patient. And then whenever there's a bit too about like, uh, at one point the one guy calls it this whole place, a village of lions sarcastically. I like that line. I thought that was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they go in and the bed is empty. So the search begins, the town's panicking. Everyone's running around with, uh, literal pitchforks or, uh, uh, torches torches and pitchforks, like running through the cities. They finally find him. 
Um, he's trying to explain to everyone, but he's got his arms out to the side <laughs> and everything. So you, you got the bloody wrist, the wine, the whole Jesus conversation, him walking towards the town people with both of his arms out to the side. And it's just like, can, can you, can you rub our noses in this any more? Well, especially <laughs> like, when it's so the townspeople, they're like, he, it's the devil. They're, they're the devil's work and all this yeah. stuff. It's just, so, yeah. Like maybe I would have been a little bit more forgiving if they didn't have that conversation, basically explaining the allegory of this episode. <laughs> Cause that's like all that stuff in the bed, the conversation between Pedro and him just completely ruined this episode for me. Like I, I may have been a little bit more lenient with, some of the bad performances. I, I don't want to say bad, but some of the less than great performances and I mean, how some much of the shoddy editing and yeah. some of the less interesting uh, camera work. And this was uh, George C. Clemens that did this one. Um, or George T. Excuse me. I always say George C. Like George C. Scott. Um, this was George T. Clemens. So I, I don't know if it's, I guess all of them can't be winners, right? But I, I, like, I may yeah. have been able to forgive all that if it wasn't just so on the nose and irritating most of the time. I, I agree. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, no, I, I, the, I, feel, I feel like I'm bringing the heat this episode. It's usually <laughs> the other way around. But yeah, this thing, like, I it's set up for such, it had such good promise in the beginning. And it just, it tanked for me so fast in the middle of this episode. I mean, we've had, we've had message episodes, right? So yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm totally okay with yeah. the, like, we're about to get to what the main message of this is. And I'm totally fine with that. We've seen episodes that have this message. It's fine, but they went so over the top with trying <laughs> to force in this religious <laughs> iconography. And, uh, like I said, this, uh, this allegory for this episode and everything, it's just, they went so far with it that it completely removed oh, me from the episode. It just, you know, what just occurred to me and you're going to be pissed off now that I say this out loud. Pedro is uh what it's a uh, Spanish for Peter. Right. And that's one of, oh, uh, yeah. one of his it's disciples. One. Yeah. And I think that was the one that, uh, didn't he walk in water with him? Like that, whatever. But anyway, so yeah, Peter was a, you know, a, an apostle of Jesus. So, Take that for what you want. I am honestly surprised that he didn't say, my name is Williams. Jesus Williams. You know, like something like that. <laughs> that would have been amazing, actually. <laughs> that may have turned me around if he said he was Jesus Williams. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So as he's walking towards them, he's got his hands out to the side and everything. And he's telling Pedro, like, show them the gift I've given you and everything. So they're all screaming. Like you said, it's the devil's work. Burn it, burn it. So they, they light it on fire with a torch. Um, and then somebody yells out that he's attacking the boy as he's walking towards. So all the military and police start shooting at him and kill him there in the street. Yeah. So while setting the fire doctor, to the gift, by the way, like they throw, yeah, the yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, the torch is laying on top of the gift. So, um, so everyone runs over to go see, check, see if this guy's actually dead or not. The doctor goes straight for the gift, takes the the torch off top of it, and he goes to read it and basically says, "We come in peace, and I bring you this gift." And the gift is a uh, the cure for cancer. <laughs> so. I like, but like, I also appreciate that the title, like the beginning part of it wasn't burned, but the rest of it was like the whole thing of like, Oh, it just says it's a vaccine for cancer. The rest of this is burned. It's like, well, yeah. all right. <laughs> it was like the chemical compound that was like the cure for cancer, but just that <laughs> compound was burned <laughs> by the torch. So he's like, you get the line of uh, him saying, we have not just killed a man, but we've also a dream. Yeah. And takes Pedro away and they'll, we're done with the episode but it's just like man monsters are due on maple street is such a better movie <laughs> that basically gives you the the same morality tale without all the force-fed religious stuff yeah i yeah i just uh, i don't know he was trying to cram too much into this like you can tell it's something that was close to serling like i mentioned he he took a stab at this three times throughout his career but this this just no, I it's not for me. <laughs> so um, I, I think I'm a little bit m like more 
like not as as angry about it because once you realize what the game was, like I was like, all right, fine, this is what's going on with this. I just it, it does, it's not going to change course. I just get uh, yeah. more mad when you get the promise of something. I agree. I completely agree. I I just think it's been a while since like we've been we've hit this kind of weird rut of odd episodes. Like even like the trade-ins was fine. Like it was a perfectly okay episode. There's some pacing in there that you and I had disagreements about with the poker game. But it told the whole, whole story. This one, as heavy-handed as it is, and by heavy-handed, I mean the heaviest hands in the world. It did tell. <laughs> Some it, would say like heavyweight boxing. Hands. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's you know, straight from Serling's boxing background. Just the, these nail-filled hands—they're so heavy. Um, <laughs> uh, at least it told a story from A to B. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and as much as you know, like, so it was all those, those things where I'm like, yeah. It was there, but at least it told a complete story. Like, I feel like I shouldn't be more forgiving of the episode (laughs) because it was mediocre and wasted a a good intro. Uh, But that's where I am in this season. (laughs) Like, so like, I'm like, "Eh." I was like, well, it wasn't the best thing. Wasn't the worst thing, but not by that much further, you know? So that's where I think I kind of land on it. Yeah, I was just so on board for that first like five to Me too. ten minutes. Me too. That it was it was such a letdown for me. Um, but yeah, and then reading what the original teleplay was, so it's basically this alien comes down, befriends a child. Everyone's scared of the alien. Uh, the same arc happens with him with him getting killed. But before he dies, he telepathically imparts this wisdom to the kid that in turn causes the kid to grow up to be an astronaut so he can go into space and they can meet again. And it was called I shot an arrow into the air. I was like, that is, that sounds like a damn Spielberg story or something. Like, I love that. And I, I love that title along with that story. Um, but I wanted that. (laughs) Like, give me that. Yeah. I like, I don't know where this turned into this whole religious allegory, like compared to that original Spielbergian write up. Well, like I, I, I said, Starman, like just because like, it's, it's very much like a similar thing. And there is a constant Christ allegory in that film, but I don't feel like it is such a two hander as this is. No, no. Um, and, and I, I love Starman, but like it, and it, but it does the whole thing of him holding his hands out and, you know, healing things and being innocent and not, and too good for the world that he has to go back up go home you know all that and he has a, a son that's coming to do good things yeah so there's ways to do all of this and still have like a meaningful character driven story and again that's a movie made years after this and it's a, yeah it's and a longer, it's also not 20 minutes yeah so that too you don't have to if you're trying to put these in you don't have to force it into like 10 minutes of exposition so um, yeah. So that it also has that going for it. But yeah, I guess Starman is definitely the better version. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I just I wish this had more of like a sense of wonder or just a little bit more to it. Like like you said, if you would have gotten Pedro with less dialogue and because he had a fine look to him. Like if you would have had him outside looking up at the stars a little bit more and give it a little bit more atmosphere than dialogue, I, I think we could have there could have been something with this. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, you know, as we, we've seen, Serling's dialogue can be amazing. It can be the gift, or it can weigh an episode down. And I, I feel like he got a little too, a uh, little too preachy, a little too much dialogue in for something like this. Yeah, that's kind of where I land on that. So, um, yeah, I don't have any other notes about this. I'm sure you have less notes than I do about this. Um, Let me double check here. Yeah, love the intro. Hated Pablo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, in my cast list, you said, well, we'll talk about Williams later. I I listed him. Jeffrey Horn as William slash Space Jesus is what I listed him at in my cast and crew listing. So I figured that would be very appropriate. Um, I still have not okay. seen the visitation with Franco Nero as Space Jesus, so I feel like now I need to go watch that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesus Williams, Jesus Space Williams. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. So, I, yeah, I got nothing else. Do you just want to get to the twist? As, as, as we have to do, it is, it, it is our destiny to rate the twist on this episode. Yeah, let's do it. Surprising no one. I'm going to give this a one that the alien would have good intentions, but mankind just can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I'm also going to give it a one. I, <laughs> you know, I, I had high hopes for this. Uh, I didn't see where the episode was going for the first 10 minutes. Um, as soon as he explains in the bar after he hits the bartender in the head with a wine bottle, um, you know exactly what kind of morality story this is going to turn into. Mm-hmm. So no, no surprise, no shocking ending. Um, I guess, <laughs> I guess I didn't see the cure for cancer coming, but I figured it would be something along those lines, some major, uh, revelation. So I, I don't know. I, it was kind of goofy that it was just like the cure for cancer. <laughs> like it was so melodramatic and goofy. Um, I think you I mean, were, I, I think you I were mean, more I surprised. I couldn't have called that coming, <laughs> but I don't know. You were more surprised and shocked that I played a Fruity Pebble rap commercial. That's a five star <laughs> twist for this episode tonight <laughs> <laughs> that we listened to a Flintstones rap. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think that actually had a better story too. I think that thirty seconds because you know Barney had <laughs> he had to trick Fred. So now, there was no. There is no comparison to uh, uh, Barney as the second coming of Christ. <laughs> uh, Barney mm. Rubble died for our sins. He guys. did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> so we could have Fruity Pebbles for all. Um, I'm all right. sorry, guys. This is a weird episode. <laughs> First, I talk about Jesus sex scandal or whatever the <laughs> whatever that was. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, all right. So I think that's going to oh. do it for our talk about the gift, which we clearly it is the one that keeps on giving. Um, so, so Kevin, how can people find us? Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at strange highways. Um, you can email us at strange highways podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to get a hold of us or leave us a voicemail, you can do so on there. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Satchel, uh, pretty much anywhere you can find fa- uh, podcasts. We are there. Um, and then whatever you use to listen to us, we'd definitely appreciate it. If you'd go and rate and review us on there, get the word out. Yeah. And we're going to, uh, I'm going to bring up the Patreon again, as if you didn't know, like everybody listened to the beginning here. Also, so Kevin, you don't know this while we were recording, someone else subscribed to the Patreon. So thank you for that person that did that. Um, so if you like the, our conversation here and you want to hear more conversations about the new twilight zone, like we teased earlier, join our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strange highways. Uh, $1, which is our, where is everybody, uh, will give you access to all of that content, our detours, the new series, whatever else we decide to do $5, which is our five characters in search of an exit gives you the detours and you get to pick an anthology episode of any TV show. That's not twilight zone. Cause I feel like we are going to get to those. But pick anything else, and we will we'll discuss it. Whether it's Alfred Hitchcock's Presents, um, Monsters, Are You Afraid of the Dark, whatever it is that you want to choose. The Flintstones. The Flintstones, sure. Oh. We'll watch an episode <laughs> of The Flintstones where, where Barney dies for our sins. Um, <laughs> yeah, Scooby-Doo, hey, I don't care. Hey, Steve, like, I'm looking at you. I need that Barbie or <laughs> Barney print for my uh, movie room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need uh, Barney, Barney Christ. Um just, yeah, and if you guys haven't gone over to, uh, I haven't talked about on the show, the Instagram um, listener and co-host of Paul's on Invasion of the Podcast, he made an amazing Rod Birdling. Yes, uh, so Steve, Steve did that and uh, piece that's posted up there, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, it's awesome. the greatest thing ever. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> for an episode I absolutely despise. It, it's like it's like from the ashes rises the phoenix. That is Rod Birdling. So I appreciate that. Uh, and so our third tier for our Patreon, it does not involve Rod Birdling, but if you want just you know, well, well, maybe, maybe Rod Burling might show up on some other forms. We don't know that yet. Yeah. Uh, $10 will let you, will let you enter the 16 millimeter shrine. So you can walk into the film, so to speak. Uh, you can have access to the detours and pick an anthology film for us to cover. And you can come on the show and we will also send you a framed photo of, um, our unofficial mascot. That's not Rod Burling, uh, Hyperion. We can, we'll send yeah. that to you. Yeah. And that, that's if you want to come on the show. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely not, not going you. to force yeah. you to come on and review. Because um, I know some people don't like to uh, speak on the mic and everything. But if you want to do it and just pick a movie for us, that's definitely fine as well. If you're worried that you're not going to sound that well, that good on the microphone, just remember, we just covered this this uh, episode with that kid, Pedro. So you're probably better than he was. So just, you know, it's fine. Just come on. Those are, those are great words of encouragement. I yeah, love it. You're Paul. better. You're better <laughs> than this kid actor from 1960 that can't talk good. So I'm sure that's fine. All right. <laughs> Next episode that we're covering of the original series, 
Uh, and again, remember, we're going to be covering a replay for the Patreon. So that's season, that's season one, episode three of the new series. We'll be doing that next week as well. Uh, but this one is The Dummy, which is my life story. All right. <clears throat> which read. is one of my most anticipated for the season. So yeah, very excited. I don't think I've ever seen this one. I know my wife has seen it. Um, but yes, uh, we're, I'll read the intro here. Uh, it takes a turn. You, you tell me where it takes a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it has something to do with tobacco. Maybe. taking a guess. Maybe. 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 Uh, Next week on The Twilight Zone, a return visit from an illustrious young actor, Cliff Robertson. He stars in one of the strangest tales we've yet to throw at you. It's called The Dummy, and it involved a ventriloquist and a piece of painted wood, a unique slab of carved pine, who decides that lap sitting is for the birds and who takes things into his own wooden hands. Now, this one we recommend to the voice throwers across the land. We hope to see you then. Chesterfield King? Extra length? Sure. And more. For only CK gives you the wonderful taste of 21 great tobaccos. Try a pack. Man, just no segue no, into some of those Chester, advertisements. Chesterfield just King? Like, yeah, just, yeah. He's like, I'm not giving you a segue. <laughs> like, I'm literally going to read your... <laughs> well, I know he had actually had some issues with, like, doing, like, the, the cigarette reads on air. So, I guess this is his Yeah, we've talked yeah. about that. So, that's yeah. that's his get back in the moment. He's like, I'm not helping you guys. I'm <laughs> no. just reading your... <laughs> I'm reading your copy and I'm getting out of here. Yeah. So next week, the dummy, this is supposed to be a high point. So I've not seen it, but we have Cliff Robertson. Yeah, I've, I've seen it a long time ago, so I'm just going to consider it a first time watch again. Yeah. I, I hope he wears a top hat. I'll be very excited if he does. Um, cause he is a performer, so he needs to wear a top hat and I hope there's a smaller top hat on top of the dummy. But uh, <laughs> I'm probably wrong about both those things. So that's going to do it for us this week uh, for the gift. I hope you enjoyed our, our, um, our wonderful conversation about this episode. Uh, yeah, um, that's it. I got nothing else. Just, uh, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I don't know. Don't, don't just shoot people if they have their hands up and they're not holding anything. That seems like a probably a good way to go. Yeah, just uh, go to the store, buy some Fruity Pebbles this week. Stars, Pedro. Hey, so what do you learn from these stars, huh? Have they ever taught you to sweep this place properly or to clean a glass? It is said there is life on some of them. Oh, this is a fact. Then you and the man in the moon have nothing in common. Because you have no life! <laughs>